So you have a new records retention schedule and you want to roll it out to your organization. What are some of the best practices that we have encountered to do such a thing? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will share our experience rolling out records retention schedules to various organizations. Thanks, Lee. In our last episode, we talked about general change management techniques and how to apply those to rolling out policy. So communication, training, and feedback mechanisms. And those mechanisms, those things are all important tools for rolling out retention schedules as well. But on top of that, the retention schedule requires more active steps because you're gonna actually physically do something with records related to this schedule. You start typically, you already have a bunch of records when you get a new retention schedule. I've never seen a company actually start building a retention schedule before they've created any records. Even our own company, we are a records and information governance consulting firm. We did create a retention schedule very early in our setup process, but still at the time we already had all of the articles of incorporation and other sort of setup documents for the business. So you've always got records by the time you have a retention schedule. And in a lot of cases, you're creating a brand new retention schedule and you have years worth of records. You may have had a, an older retention schedule and you've just revamped it to be process driven and or process centric and sort of bigger bucketing of your record categories. And so you're gonna have to make some adjustments. The way we approach this, we look at a couple of different things. First, when you're talking about policy, we're media neutral, media and format neutral. It doesn't matter if it's an electronic record in a database, an electronic record that's a document or a hard copy record of some kind. The policy should be the same for all of them. But when it comes to the implementation step, you have to take different actions in order to make the retention work. So first thing you do, think about what have you got? Where are your records? Are they in paper? Are they in databases? Are they in electronic documents? If they're electronic documents, are they in systems like content management systems? Or are they in file shares and folders somewhere on SharePoint or a cloud-based storage system or physical file servers? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> exactly. And depending on the answers, you have to do something else, something different to make your retention schedule work. Before we go one step farther on that, I wanna have a little tangent. We've talked a little bit about the need for information classification and identifying sensitive data along with your record categories. So the record categories group things by process and sort of content. These are the, this is the collection of information that you need to carry out a business process. The information classification piece, which we talked about in an earlier episode, says, okay, these are the records that you need to carry out this process, and these records are sensitive in some way. For instance, these are your HR records, they are your personnel files, they contain personally identifiable information. 
This is another category of HR records, their employee medical files. So they not only contain PII, personally identifiable information, they also contain potentially PHI, personal health information. Here are your customer records over here. They contain personally identifiable information and they also can, may contain personal credit information, PCI. So when you have identified your record categories, it's a very easy time to go and add that sensitivity rating as one of the other attributes on your record category, along with the name and the description and the examples, the trigger and the retention period. Just add that sensitivity note as well. So when it comes to implementing things, you look at where's our stuff. Okay, we've got six systems of record. If you had six systems of record and you knew exactly what they were, you would be a very organized and streamlined company. But let's just take that as an example. So there is an HRIS, an, a human resources information system. It's a database. It also has documents attached to it. You want to apply your retention to that. Well, you're gonna to have to look at the different modules of your system because the triggers for your HR records are a little bit different depending on what they are. For personnel files and medical files, the trigger is probably the end of employment, termination of employment. But two different retention periods, depending on your industry and your location, you might have a shorter retention period for personnel files, probably five years in the US, could be much longer in the UK or in the EU. Medical files could be as much as 40 years past the termination date based on if you're in an industry where there's um, potential hazardous exposures, hazardous materials exposures for your employees. So in your HRIS, you need to be able to identify those records that are just strictly personnel records. The person got, got hired, there's, here's their performance evaluations for 10 years. Here's their salary history. Here's the end of their career. Okay, great. That record goes away after five years. Here's the medical side of things. And we've got a different level of sensitivity on those. And we have a different retention period on those. Or here's benefits information. And that changes over time. And it changes based on what benefit plans are offered and what benefit plans the person takes advantage of, and they may each have different retention periods. So you're looking at that HRIS system, you're looking for pretty granular ability to apply retention. And that may be hard to find just sort of native in the system. So then you have to make some choices. How are we going to, how are we gonna carry this out? How are we gonna apply this retention to this system? It doesn't have these capabilities natively. You have some options and you're going to need your IT department to help you here. Are you going to add another tool on top? And there are some retention management tools that will work across different databases. And they sort of abstract up and they add an extra piece of data in. Or are you going to start exporting certain parts of the data and saving them in a different format and managing them as a blob, just as a file, or even as paper? Um, and again, you're going to need your IT shop to help you look at that. Depending on how granular you need it and how complex it is to apply that retention, you might go revisit your retention schedule and say, okay, we made these decisions for good policy reasons, but if we can't implement it, now what? 
And that might happen, especially in an ERP system, in a finance system, because ERP systems being transactional rather than relational have a whole different set of rules in terms of how you can delete older data, which is essentially what a step in disposition is, without changing past reporting or without changing the outcome of current reports. Each of the major ERP systems has different ways to approach that. And you need to, again, work with your IT department to figure out what's the best way for us to apply that. By comparison, other systems are a lot easier to handle. If you have a content management solution, you can have as an attribute on each document or each folder or container of documents, an attribute that links to a record category and also an, another, a separate attribute that is the trigger field. So if you're collecting con contract documents somewhere, you're able to have an attribute that says the contract is active or inactive and the date that it becomes inactive. And then it links to your the records retention requirements for your contracts. And you can apply that pretty easily. Content management solutions are much more likely to have some level of retention built in. But again, you can add an external, a third-party tool that can do that. And of course, the easiest thing to do in the world is paper because it's discrete. You have, here's a folder, here's a box. What's the retention on this? And before you send it to offsite storage, you know, it's this record category. It's got this um, retention period from starting at this trigger date and you know what to do with it. One thing to think about though, when you have a bunch of stuff in offsite storage and it's been sent out there with under an old retention schedule, then when you start the new retention schedule, you need to do a, a comparison, old schedule to new schedule. Did I change trigger dates? Did I change retention periods? Real crosswalk, category to category. Then look at the holdings in offsite storage and say, okay, most of these are fine because even though we've changed the code or the name for the new for that category, we haven't changed the trigger or the peer or the retention period. But we've got this handful where we actually drastically changed the retention period. And then you need to manually go work with your offsite storage vendor and relabel those records so that they have the right trigger and the right retention period. And out of all of this, because you all are information governance professionals. You wanna make sure that you document every step of the way. What are the decisions that you made about how to apply retention in each of your major enterprise systems of record? What are the decisions that you made about how you're gonna apply retention in your content management solution? And what are the decisions that you made about adjusting retention for records that have been sent, off, sent to offsite storage under an older retention schedule? So as in many things in records management, implementing the retention schedule isn't hard conceptually, but there's a lot of details and you gotta think through all the pieces and it will require different solutions depending on where you're storing your data. I think that's key, uh, where you're storing your data. And you do have to take into consideration all of those places not at the same time, but eventually, because you can't forget one. You can't just say, we're going to apply it to electronic records and forget everything in storage 
or you can't just apply it to everything in paper-based storage and forget about the electronic records. It has to be applied evenly and it, it takes it takes some time to get there, but you have to apply it evenly across all medium. The other thing I wanted to mention was cloud-based systems. And a third party is hosting that cloud. Is that your information? Can you apply your retention schedule to that information that's in a third party hosted system? Yeah, you mentioned three important things in, in that little, <laughs> your little interlude there. One, don't forget any systems or repositories or storage locations. Um, make a list so you know you got them all. Two, you can't do this all at once. You need to prioritize what's the most important place for us to start with the the uh, retention application, or what's the easiest place. You look at your list and you make a, you make decisions. And this is our plan, and this is how we're going to update and apply retention. Three, the cloud-based piece. How can you enforce your retention on a third party? And that one is really interesting because there's a couple of different ways to use the cloud or put things in the cloud. A lot of content management solutions and a lot of other enterprise systems are storing things in the cloud, but you have control over them. It's kind of your instance. You're using this, this virtual server on the back end, but you can set those retention settings in the same way as you would if you had that system in an on-premises version. Uh, again, you got to look at each one and see what your what your options are, but you have the same type of control. But if you're hosting in some somewhere else and you don't have that control and it's just out there until the third party decides to get rid of it, you have a couple of levers. You can try and write something into your contract with the hosting uh, group. And I'm thinking about things like benefits solutions and a lot of HR third parties end up you just kind of, you're handing over really that function to a third party, not just storing information there. And that's the difference between if you're storing information in a cloud-based content management system, you still have the control over the categories and the organization and the retention settings. But if you're handing over the function of payroll or benefits administration, then you don't have that control anymore. So contract language is one of your options. Certainly as part of the due diligence of picking one of those third-party partners, you want to ask them what they're doing with your data. Security-wise, what are they doing with it? How are they separating it from other organizational data that they are storing? But also retention. How are they managing it? Do they have a retention schedule that they follow and does it come close to meeting yours? And then it's a risk decision. Is it important enough for us to hand off this function because we don't have the resources to do it internally, but the trade-off is they're only going to keep our records for X number of years, which is shorter than or longer than our retention schedule. And again, you're documenting that decision. You're looking at your legal requirements, your operational requirements. You're making a risk-based decision as a business and you need to document it. I think the key is make sure you ask the questions and make an informed decision. Don't just expect it'll be okay. <laughs> that was a lot of good stuff, Maura. 
if you have any questions, please reach out. Trailblazer has been in existence since 2013, but we've been doing information governance for over 30 years. We have a lot of experience in this area. We've seen a million different ways and means of implementing policies, implementing retention schedules, and figuring out all of these hard problems. So if you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune into our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. And thanks, everyone.